Good morning, everyone. Welcome. If you are looking for the Family Ministries Seminar, you're in the right place. If you are looking for something else, you, you're in the wrong place. I hope I try to be helpful. I hope that was helpful. Uh, I think you're in the right place. Uh, I am Eric Bates, and I am the Family Ministries Director for the Carolina Conference, and along with my wife, Anne Marie. You can stand up, Anne Marie, and do the princess wave. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it is so good to have uh, Dr. Eli and Loida Rojas back with us in the Carolinas. I think most of you uh, know Pastor Eli and Loida from their time in the Carolinas. Um, they served here for 21 years, uh, also served as family ministries director for the, the conference before me. Uh, we just had them back for Romance at the Ranch this past um, February, and we were all blessed by having them uh, there. Uh, if you've never been to Romance at the Ranch, I'd encourage you to go ahead and mark your calendar for next February. It's always uh, the English-speaking weekend is always the second weekend of February, and it's at Nisoka Pines Ranch. And then if you prefer Spanish, that's the third weekend of, of February. Uh, it's always a good time that we have there, and we have uh, fantastic speakers that come in, and uh, everyone leaves encouraged and um, uh, more in love with their spouse. Um, most of us do. So, well, I'm not going to use up any more of your time or Pastor Eli's time. Uh, I'm going to have prayer with you. Oh, one last thing. There are handouts. If you did not get a handout, the, the handouts are in the, uh, the back of the room there by the door. And we have some, also some scrap paper and pens for you to take additional notes if you'd, if you'd like to. All right. Let's bow our heads together. Our gracious Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've blessed us with. Uh, what a delight it is to be back at Lake Junaluska for in-person camp meeting, to gather together, to fellowship with one another, to hear some fantastic presentations, uh, some stirring sermons. Uh, Father, we just pray that your Holy Spirit be present with us this morning, that uh, you would uh, guide Pastor Eli and Loida as they share with us. And I pray, Father, that, that our hearts would be open to what you would like to communicate to us um, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, is this working? Testing one, two, three. Okay, it's ready. Hello. Good morning, everyone. Good to see every one of you. Is your mic working? No, you, you probably have to turn it on. All right, is it working? Good. There you go. <laughs> well, it's good to see everyone. Uh, so many uh, familiar faces, folks that we work with through the years and some new faces, so it's good to see all of you. Um, as he said, we used to serve here in the Carolinas. We did for about 21 years, uh, north, south, east, and west, and so we were blessed by having that experience, and today we're 
really glad to be here. Yes, and we want to share some of the things that we have learned in our journey as a, as a couple and as a family. And uh, hopefully we can all grow in this, uh, in this time together. And before we start, uh, we want to introduce you to our tribe. <laughs> this is our family. We have two grown kids, uh, the one with the glasses, the, and, and um, that was uh, in well, Annapolis. They, they both have glasses. Yeah, oh, I just realized that. <laughs> Yeah, so the one at the corner, that's our son, and the one in the back with the um, brown hat, that's uh, our son-in-law. Our son-in-law. Yeah. Son, Which son we love like our son as well. God has been good. We prayed about him so long, so it, he is an answer prayer. So um, the next picture I want to introduce and you to. Our girl. Our daughter, yes. Yeah. This is uh, Eileen. Who called us? Oh. oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They've been married for five years, and we were looking forward to having grandkids. We are counting the days. No pressure, but we are. And we, um, she finally called us and said, Mom, Dad, you're going to be grandparents. We were so excited. But then they called us four legs. <laughs> that is our Rainier, and she is the best dog ever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. We got pictures. We can show you more pictures. <laughs> yeah, so that's our son, and, and she, is, um, she is a teacher, and they met in Walla Walla University. He's an engineer, and um, she teaches, and she's getting her master's degree in uh, special education with a certification in, a, in uh, uh, behavior, be behavior analyst for autistic children. So it is, uh, and, and we have a lot of prayer because she, she falls in love with these children. She calls us all the time, Mom, can you pray for child at 3 o'clock? Can you pray for the child at 5 o'clock? So it is, it is very special. And this is our other son and he's Eli Rojas and he is a pastor here in the Carolinas you can find him in the children's section <laughs> he works with the kids and during camp meeting so this is our little tribe yeah. they say he looks a lot like me I, I think it's the hair <laughs> So, but you know, as a family and as a journey and in our different stages in life, no matter what stage you're in, we could always find that the most important thing is prayer. I don't think we could ever make it without prayer. Prayer is the lifeline that keeps us together, right? Mm -hmm. In the struggles and in the praise is prayer. So we are, we've got to recognize God's handiwork in our marriage. And I've seen miracles happen and things that we can always recall and, and think about. And when the hard times come, we can look back and say, God was with us here, and God will take us in the next level. So prayer is very important. And not only in our trouble time, but also in our praise. So whenever we have a problem in our marriage, we come to God. When we have praise, we come to God. And we cannot start this seminar without coming to God. So we're going to have... A few minutes. Just a moment, yeah. Just a moment or two, sorry. And just to, um, for couples, just where you are, and ask God for the Holy Spirit to be here and for his presence to be here among us because we don't want to continue without him guiding us and being in the midst, okay? So we'll just give you a few minutes to turn to the... If you haven't said good morning to your spouse, say good morning. <laughs> and go ahead and, and have a few minutes just to invite the Holy Spirit to come in, in your marriage. And before you pray, if you're here by yourself, um, this week we're going to be focusing on family in general. And there's yes. different areas that we're going to talk. Today we're talking about marriage. 
And so, of course, the emphasis is for the couples to be together. But if you are not with your spouse here, then pray for him, for her, um, and make it a time to ask that God will use whatever you learned today to apply it. And if you came here and you're not ready to hear about couples, but you can learn about relationships, that you will get things that you can apply to your life, no matter what stage in life you are. Amen? Amen. So that will be the emphasis. Pray for, uh, if you're with your uh, significant one, then pray with that person. If not, then pray for this, those people that are special in your life. Okay, yeah, so it is a family seminar, so it will just, it will continue yeah. the rest of the week with the family. Yeah. All right, so let's take a moment to pray. All right. So as we were thinking about this uh, week, um, and then today, starting with the focus on, on marriage, um, the first section we're going to talk about this morning is going to be something that those that went to Nosoka Pines, to Romance and Dredge, might be familiar with. But then uh, the second part today, it will be different from what we presented over there. So if it sounds familiar, you know, just wait there. It will, you will get to the next part soon. Uh, but we're talking about the intentionality of marriage. And... The idea of intentionality, I'll explain it more in a second, but it's, it's because you have to have purpose. You have to have a plan. And uh, this is a, a, a dear little letter that was, uh, talks about how intentional someone can be. And so this is a couple of kids in, in school, or elementary school, and this little boy writing to his sweetheart and says, Dear Ashley, would you please be my girlfriend? I like you a lot, he says. And then there's yes, no, and maybe. Well, as you can see, there's the no is circled there, right? That's her response. She says, uh, of course, there's a PS, please say yes or no, maybe. She's, this is her response. She says, I am sorry. I already have a boyfriend, Kyle, you know, whatever. But when we break up, you're my next choice. <laughs> Talk about intentionality, right? <laughs> PS, that will be in a month or two. Talk about a woman with a plan, right? <laughs> From the consecrators, we learn about caring love. Again, we're talking about the, the fact that it needs to be intentional. So it represents, now caring love, okay, represents a decision to care for your spouse, to do what you can to make your spouse happy. So that's the idea, that when you're intentional, you will have a plan and, and, a, and a purpose of bringing uh, happiness and love to that relationship that you have. Uh, they go on to say, do whatever you can to make the other person happy, to avoid anything that makes the other person unhappy, even if it makes you unhappy. And what is this, this reflecting? It's the idea that in marriage you can be happy if that's your plan, if you're intentional, that's what you want to do. Um, and by the way, it's not you together, you by yourself, but you with your spouse intentionally working on that. In her book, uh, Good News About Marriage, Shanti Feldham talks about the, is it true that couples can be happy? And I'm not gonna ask for you to raise your hand, but there is this idea that if you're married, you're not happy. 
Uh, you hear it often. You see it on the news. You see it in media. You know, um, uh, old shows like, um, well, I won't mention names, but they always had the idea that you go to marriage, it's kind of suffer to be the victim, etc., etc. But she says that is not the case. Um, they did uh, several studies, and I got a couple of them here, where it talks about the fact that 80% of marriages are happy to one degree or the other. And in a study of 652 married couples, they uh, did the survey, and the question is, are you happy, happy in your relationship? And there were five answers. The answers were yes, number one, number two, yes, most of the time, number three, it depends, sometimes yes, sometimes no. So this first three will be the positive ones, right? Then we got the not really and no, I'm not happy, definitely not happy. So the responses that came were really impressive. 34% answered yes. So yeah, 34% is, is one third of them were, were happy. Number one, yes, I'm happy, no hesitation there. Number two, most of the time, 37%. How much does that make? Right, so we're talking already about most people being happy, right? Number three, it was about 29%, which leaves a very small margin for those that were not happy, meaning that most of the couples that were surveyed, 600 and something, were happy. So how can we be happy in a relationship? And the idea is you need to be intentional. Does that make sense? So let's talk about that for a second. Um, in the book, Five Star Families, Moving Your Family from Good to Great by Carol uh, Quinn Kendall, she says that there are five priorities that we need to be focusing on when we're talking about our families. Of course, remember, we're talking about relationships, and marriage is one of them, the most important one. And the, the number one quality that she refers to is love. Love is important because it needs to be manifested. And sometimes that's what not gets manifested or shown in our relationships in marriage. It's the idea that, yeah, we're married, but we don't have to be all this fussy fuzzy stuff or are these uh no no we we don't have to be doing that the answer is yes we have to be manifesting our love couples need to be having fun that's very important i'm, I'm presenting these points we're going to uh, develop them soon and then loyalty which comes from understanding that we are loyal to each other it's a family we're part of this this group this tribe this gang and uh, we're loyal to each other uh, that there's growth, that the couple and the family seeks ways to grow in the relationship, to do better in the relationship. And number five, which I always say, we put it last, but in reality is the one that brings everything together, is our faith. Is the idea that we have a trust in a God that will make a difference in our relationships. Okay? <clears throat> in, in the same book, uh, page 44, uh, the author says the following. She says, our children need us to dream and have goals. These are our kids. Now we're talking about parents with kids. Re remember, I keep saying this, it's relationships in general. We need to have dreams. We need to have goals. Where do you want your relationship to go to, your, your marriage to be like? Um, when they are young, talking about the kids, they're totally depending upon us for guidance. They don't know how fallible we are. In their eyes, we rule. They need us to care about our purpose as a family. They need us to have a vision of where we're headed and a plan of how are we going to get there. And I love the last sentence. It says, they need us to lead them. Lead them, to lead someone, to lead a group means that you have a what? A plan, right? You have a destination. You have something. You have goals, ideas of where you want your relationship and your marriage to be uh, going to. Where do you want it to be in, in, in whatever time? And so, like I said, very often that's not the case. Most couples 
put all their planning into their wedding night, right? And, and wedding day, and, and once they're done with that, maybe the honeymoon too, and then when they're done with that, what is next? What is the next plan? Some families are very intentional about planning financially. All right, great. But it's not just that. It's planning in general that will lead you to have a goal, a plan for your family, and a destination. And Isaiah 26.3 says, You, Lord, give perfect peace to those who keep their purpose, put there in parenthesis, the intention, firm and put their trust in where? In God. And that's why it's so important. So why is it important to be uh, intentional in your marriage? And I love this. They come from the purpose-driven life. And it says the following. Number one, you find meaning. Yeah. You have a plan. You have meaning. You have a purpose. Yes, it defines your marriage. It gives a direction. It brings simplicity. Um, I remember once, well, of the many churches I had, I remember one where we had a meeting to talk about what our future was, and there were about 20 different ideas of what we wanted as a church. Were, would you ever be able to get to any of those 20 if that's what you have, 20 different places? And the answer is no. You're never going to be able to do that. It's like when it comes to New Year's and you're doing your resolutions. And I, I, I hear people tell me, oh, yeah, I got 15 resolutions. A month later, you ask, how many were, you know, how are you doing? I haven't gotten the first one done, right? But when you focus on one or two, it's a lot better. Well, the same happens. It gives simplicity uh, uh, to your marriage. Gives you focus, gives you motivation, and it sets you and your spouse for eternity. Because we believe that these relationships that we have in this world are eternal. Amen? Because we're going to enjoy those promises God has for us. So it helps you set core values for your marriage and for your family. So that's why it's important. So this morning, because we have a different setting, we're not going to spend a lot of time with this. But I want to give you the ideas and give you at least a minute or two to think about this. Because very often we come to these events and you get all these loads of information. You go home, put the notes away. And then it's next kind of meeting, right? And you never got to them. And what I want to encourage you to do is, you know, as we're talking about things, I'm going to come to these little square boxes where I'm going to say, you know, what are you going to do with this material? What are you going to do with these ideas? And we're going to start practicing right now. This is the first one. I'm going to give you just a minute, just a short moment for you to think about this. So the question is, as you think uh, of yourselves as a couple, Make a list of, I don't know, three, four, five qualities, two or three. I mean, just a couple of things that will describe a happy marriage. And that's what you like to see. Now, if you tell me, well, pastor, don't worry about it. Uh, I already have a happy marriage. Well, praise the Lord. Can you make it happier? Yeah, right. You can always excel to go to the next level. So, yeah, even if you have a great marriage, then think about ways that you can be happier. Enjoy more your, your relationship. All right, so let's do that. I'll give you a minute or two. If you're here with your spouse, just talk to each other about what a couple of things that you like to see in your marriage to make it a more enjoyable relationship, a happier place. All right, let's do it right now. By the way, we have note papers back there if you want to take more notes. Pencils.
Okay, so I said it was going to be a short time. <laughs> but I hope it is the start of something, right? Because it, it, is, it is a fact that I'm just going to make it for us, you know, and, and any, any of our guests that are here that are part of our church, Seventh-day Adventist Church, uh, is for us Christians in general. But the idea is that we go to meeting after meeting, seminar after seminar, take notes, and then put them away and never look at them again. Now, uh, the idea is that as you're thinking about what we're presenting and talking about today, again, think of ways how you can apply these things and do it. All right? Have a plan. So uh, I'll give you, you know, we're just about to start summer. So I'm not going to use the home, the word homework, but um, uh, something to dream about, right? Have, have dreams about how can you make your marriage happier, right? Make it better, make it more enjoyable. All right. Now, I want to talk uh, for a few minutes about what I personally consider to be the number one priority for every marriage. And perhaps some of you might be thinking, well, you're going to be preaching to the choir. But in reality, I've discovered that even the most uh, dedicated Christians can have serious relationships at home, uh, serious problems in the relationships at home. Why? Because sometimes we separate our relationship with God to the point that we don't bring that to our context at home. And there are Christian families that go to church together, but yet never spend time praying together. Now, you're going to say, really, Pastor? Does that happen? You know, it's really interesting. Um, in my entire life, uh, let me give you a little bit of background, just very short. Uh, I grew up, my mom was Adventist, my father was Catholic. Uh, my mom did a great job until we were, uh, I don't know, uh, primary or, yeah, about primary. She drilled us, we knew all the Bible studies and everything, so kind of helped us get started on what you would call a personal journey. But you know, in my entire life, I never remember praying with my mom. And it actually felt awkward when I said, Mom, let's pray, you know. And she was, oh, yes, let's pray. But, but it was weird because we never did it as a family. Now, my wife on the other side grew up in a family that every time, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating here, every time somebody was going to step out of the house, they'll say, let's pray. <laughs> and, and she'll tell us more about it later. But it was like, I'm going to go get something at the corner store. I'll be right back. Well, let's pray. <laughs> like, but I'm coming right back. Well, let's pray. <laughs> and so she grew up with that. So for them to get together and have prayer and have worship and do things was very natural. So that's what I'm saying. You know, it's, it's something that needs to be, again, intentional, something that you plan and make it part of your family life because then it gets ingrained into the DNA of your children, of those that you live with, and it makes a powerful difference. So the number one priority is needs to be God. Then, uh, just before I go any further, I also want to tell you that I've worked with a lot of couples. And I found it very interesting that when we uh, start to talk about the spiritual priorities that they need to have, and they start to follow them, it's usually, um, I want to say all the time, it starts to make a big difference. When I find couples that are not doing it, they keep on stumbling and then they're not doing that they're doing they're not doing other things and and it seems to be a waste of time why i'm telling you it makes a huge difference when you bring god into your family into your relationship and it changes you and it changes others so that's why i feel it's one of the most important things god wants to be there did you know that god wants to be in your family 
he wants to be in your business. Is that okay? He wants to be mixed up with your good days, your bad days, when you're doing the laundry, when you're cleaning diapers, when you are having fun, when you're watching a movie, when you're tickling each other. Every moment of our life as a couple, as a marriage, as a family, God wants to be in it. It's interesting because sometimes the older generations may think of even our moments of intimacy. Eh, you know, let's just close the door. <laughs> uh, no, he is part of it. He's part of everything we do. And so that's why it's so important for us. In, in, in Joshua chapter 24, verse, verse 15, the writer says with very intentional words, he says, you know, in this land, because remember this story, this is the conclusion of the life of Joshua. He has led the people of Israel into the land, into the promised land. And it is after he is getting close to the end of his journey. And he says, but as for me and my house, we will what? Serve the Lord, worship the Lord, depends on the version you're using. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will worship the Lord. It's an intentional decision they made. That, that household was going to be dedicated to the Lord. Have you dedicated your home to the Lord? And I'm asking just so you think about it. Because if you haven't done it, I don't care if you've been married 40 years or, or, or three months. It's something that brings a tremendous blessing to your house. Bless it, dedicate it, surrender it to God. Say, Lord, you know, this house is yours. We just, we just live here. Pay, we don't pay rent to you, but yeah, it's yours. Because it really belongs to him, and he wants to be in it. And then I love Psalm 127, verse 1, where it says, If the Lord doesn't build the house, the work of the builder is futile. What happens? They waste their time. And that's where I've seen it so many times. I have talked with uh, psychologists and professional counselors, um, in fact, some of them, when it comes to my meetings, they talk to me afterwards and they say, you know, Pastor, but there are so many other techniques and things that you can apply. I said, I understand that and I do advise people to do that. But I found that this number one thing is the one that makes the biggest difference. Sometimes, even in spite of the mistakes we make, God still works because we're making him and giving him a priority that he needs to have in our lives. He is the inventor of marriage. Amen. He created it. It was part of creation week. He put uh, that man and that woman together, brought them, uh, uh, created them, and then uh, put them together. And it didn't say with these words, but basically he says, you know, you are the first family. You're going to fill this world. And, um, and that was it. God is the one that invented this. We find it in Genesis. And I love so many of the words. There's so much I can say about that, but I'm just going to read it. But it says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Then let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said, be fruitful and multiply, fill them. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the earth, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And when God, when you see these words, you see the intentionality that God had of unity in this first couple. They were one. It's clear. Absolutely clear. Um, his intention, we find that all over scripture. Uh, from Genesis to Revelation, we, feel the, we see the idea of marriage. One of the first miracles that Jesus uh, does is with what? With a wedding day, right? 
So he blessed that marriage in ways that, you know, to this day we have no idea how, how intentional it was. This is what um, we find in, in Patriots and Prophets. It says, God celebrated the first marriage. It was one of the first gifts of, men, of God to men, and it is one of the two institutions that after the fall, Adam brought with them beyond the gates of paradise. Notice this part, because that's why I think it's so important. This next section, it says, When the divine principles are recognized and obeyed in this relationship, marriage is a blessing. Amen? Marriage is a blessing. But notice, when the divine principles are recognized and obeyed is when it is a blessing. So that is very important that we understand them, but that we recognize them, because that's what makes the difference. So what principles do we find in Scripture? I could spend the rest of the week talking about that. But because today the focus is on marriage, I'm going to limit myself to just a few verses. And notice the following. John chapter 10 and verse 10. Oh, Pastor, that's not about marriage. It is. It is about family. It's about your life. It's about everything you do. And notice what the Lord says. The enemy is the thief that comes. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. How many, and don't raise your hand, but how many families have been destroyed by the actions of the enemy? Bringing things to the marriage, to the home, to the family. He loves to do that. He loves to do that. It's, it's so interesting because we allow him to have room in our lives and our marriages. And this is, this is how often happens. Have you ever been in a fight uh, with your spouse or with anyone where... where it just keeps on escalating and escalates and escalates. And you're like, why is this getting out of hand? You know, I was working with a couple. This is really cool. I was working with a couple and we met about three times. And every time we ended up in a fight within five minutes. I mean, we started five minutes later, big fight. And I, I couldn't control them. I said, guys, come on. That's not the way to talk. Talk about different principles to, to talk to each other. It just didn't work. About the, when we were getting ready for the fourth time, I was reading from, I was asking God, I said, Lord, please help me, help me figure out what to do with this couple. And there is a book, um, it's a compilation uh, for sister, uh, from the Sister White writings. And, oh man, I'm looking at the book right now in my, my head and I can't think of the name. Uh, anyway, I can find it later if you're interested in that. Uh, it has a red cover. Do you know the title? <laughs> so, she says, the enemy comes and whispers in your ears. I was like, whoa. So the couple comes in for the visit. And I said, guys, before you start, before we do anything, let's do the following. We're going to get on our knees. And each one of us is going to say the following. Uh, Lord, be with us today. We always said that. And then we said, block the enemy. Don't let him whisper in our ears so we can talk to each other. He said it, she said it, I said it. We prayed, finished prayer. We spoke for two hours without a single fight. And then when we were done, they said to me, Pastor, we've been married 20 years, and it's the first time we have a conversation like this. Whoa, who does that? The enemy. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But what does Jesus do? Come on. What does he do? Brings life. He says, I've come that you may have life, that you may have it more abundantly. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I think that's what makes the biggest difference in our relationships. I love this, this chapter right here. 
Philippians chapter 2 is, is one that you can apply to any relationship you have, all right? Moms, dads, kids, uh, siblings, uh, your parents, whatever, because it makes a huge difference. So it says, therefore, if there's any consolation of Christ, and notice that there is a um, conditional word right there. What is it? If, right? So it's saying, hey, if Jesus is in you, that's basically what it's saying. If Jesus is in you, all right, so if any comfort of love, if any fellowship in the spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Awesome, right? Notice what it keeps saying. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in the lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than myself. I'm supposed to see my wife, my children, my parents, my in-laws as better than me. Isn't that amazing? That's what the apostle is saying. Because then we see people differently. When you feel the same, same level, when you feel superior, but when you think that they're better than you, and we're talking about spiritual, right? We're talking about spiritual. And so he keeps saying, let each of you look not only, look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. And then verse 5, you know, is the cherry on top. What does it say? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Wow. Who being in form of God, did not consider that important, but gave himself for us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Isn't that amazing? What if we applied that to our relationships? It's just amazing when you think about it. John, 1 John chapter 4, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for, the, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So God is what? And so because God is love, he's the source of what? Happiness and love. God is the one that brings love into a marriage. And that's why I think is one of the worst things that help us understand how love is a principle and not an emotion. Did you hear that one? I have to think about that one too, right? Love is a principle and not an emotion. All right, so I've heard this many times. Pastor, you don't understand it. Is my love has died. Or you heard that, that illustration people use all the time. Pastor, my love is a plant. It didn't get nourished. It just died off. And in your mind, you, pl you picture a plant. We have a plant. I forget the name of it. Uh, it's in our living room. And when Loida travels, and when Loida travels, I get in trouble because I always forget <laughs> to water the plant. And she comes in, and the, it's all like that, right? All oh, the leaves are on the floor. And she's like, did you just hear it? I'm like, no, I was, it looked green. <laughs> you know, I mean, what else do you want? It's green. And then she comes and puts some water in, and then within five minutes, it's up again, right? You probably know what plan I'm talking about. There are several like that. Anyway, people say, they're like, that's my love. It's completely dead. I mean, it's like you can pour a gallon of water. It's just nothing. No, it's not a plant. It's a principle. It's not a feeling. Because if it is a feeling, feelings change every day, right? I mean, when the, in the evening you wanted to eat, eat pizza, and then the next day, I mean, you know, you think about all the things. First Corinthians 13 is the perfect way to understand this. Why? Number one, did you know that First Corinthians is not a chapter about love? Did you know that? 
You're going to be like, Pastor, just read it. It's about love. Don't you see it right there? It's all over the place. It turns out that chapter 13 is between 12 and 14, of course. Yes, that's math. Where it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. Do you know that? It's not about an emotion, a feeling. No, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Read chapter 12. Read chapter 14. It's about the Spirit. Okay, I mean the gifts of the Spirit. All right, so if it is about the gifts of the Spirit, then love is what? Come on, say it. A gift of the Spirit. And when God gives it, He doesn't take it away. So, hey, if your love has died, if it's in trouble, if it needs CPR, if it needs water, guess what? Right here, here's the water, here's the CPR, because it's, it comes from God. And I've seen couples that have been totally transformed because they decide to surrender their hearts to Jesus Christ. So with that in mind, you read this and realize, wow, this is totally different. It says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, holds all things, endures all things, and love, what? Never love never fails. So what's your source of love? Was it the, the party you had you know, a couple of days ago and you're still on a high because you guys had so much fun? And then she burns the, what, the rice, the beans, the potatoes? <laughs> no, it's not about that. It's a principle, it's a gift that God gives us. And um, in this book, she says the following. She says, Though difficulties, perplexities, and discouragements may arise, never let neither husband nor wife harbor the thought that their union is a mistake or a disappointment. You hear that? This is heavy. You know how many people have, to have told me, Pastor, our marriage was a mistake. We were drunk. It was Las Vegas. It did not stay in Las Vegas. And I can say to them, look, it doesn't matter. God still can work in it. So it says, determine. So, okay, so determine. What is that word? That's an action word. That's an intentional word. And that's why I say there is so much intentionality in marriage because if you are intentional about it, then you can have it. You have to have a plan, a dream, a, a goal, and then you can ac accomplish it. Do it together with your wife, with your husband, and have dreams about what you want your marriage to be like. Determined to be all that is possible to be to each other. Continue. Another action word, right? The early attentions. In every way, encourage each other in fighting the battles of life doesn't say fighting with each other right fighting battles of life the study to advance the happiness of each other let there be mutual love mutual forbearance then marriage instead of being the end of love right instead of being that will be as it were the very beginning of love the warmth of true friendship the love that binds the heart to heart is a foretaste of the joys of heaven and you see it all over. Encourage, study, let there be, determined. It has to be intentional. And that's why it's so important that spirituality is part of our relationship with each other. Our relationship with God is number one.
So if we're going to be intentional about spirituality, what are some practical things that we can do to bring that spirituality to our marriage? <clears throat> and the one thing that Ila was even saying that I grew up with was prayer. We cannot function. We cannot have a spiritual life. We cannot without having a connection, a prayer with God. Prayer. It says in 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So prayer gives our marriage and our home access to the source of true love, which is God. So definitely it's important. Now, James 5.13 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. So prayer is a refuge during the difficult times and a source of praise during the good times. So prayer is vital in every aspect of our life, the good ones and the bad ones. So as a couple, <clears throat> prayer brings us stress, relief of stress. You know what it is? That I have a bad day and I am off, I come home, or Eli had a bad day, and we come and say, man, I, 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 I can't, I have all this anxiety, I have this problem. We come together and we say, okay, I'm here for you, let me hear what you have to say, and let us bring before God. And right there, we can pray for each other. God, you know what Lloyd is going through? You know what Eli is going through? Please do this. You know, what a relief. I'm not alone at this. God is with me. Wow. <laughs> what a relief. Okay. And if it, 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 prayer also focuses on our shared beliefs. Now, it's not just my belief, but it's a couple's belief. It's a family thing. It's not just me. It's not just what I'm thinking. It's what we're thinking. Wow. That is hopeful. And it brings hope for the future. Wow, okay, tomorrow, what are we going to do? What are our plans? What is our intentionality? Well, we come to God as a couple. We said, Lord, you know, we want to purchase this home. Lord, we want to retire. Right now, I, I just want to share with you, our daughter and our, and our son, they're there getting a master's degree in New Mexico. And it's, they are going to be moving because they're just there temporarily, just um, trying to get their degree and... and, and and so forth. So right now, they're planning to move a year from now. And right now, they are already having a prayer journal. And they even put it in the map. And they said, Lord, guide us and circle this to where you want us to go. So as a couple, they're already forming, okay, Lord, we're not doing this by ourselves. We want to go where you want us to go. So it's, it brings the couples together. And the future it comes together because it's not my decision because my parents are here. It's my decision. No, it's where God led us. And where God leads us is going to be okay. Now, now it's we're, also... We're trying to convince them that God is telling them to come to this area, right? Yes. Yeah. But <laughs> I tell Eli, saying. come down, Eli. We want them to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> so couples, it also helps construct um, the challenges and, and the problems that we can face. And um, it's a source of encouragement. I feel so encouraged. You know, sometimes I get, I, I, I got a big day at work. It's I, I'm an accountant, and, and uh, it's closing and this and that. And I come downstairs, and it's 5 o'clock in the morning, and I see my husband praying. 
And then he gets up and he says, I was just praying for you, Lloyd. Wow, okay, I can face this, you know. I'm not alone. I have someone who's praying for me, and God is going to go with me. So it, that intentionality of prayer, what a difference. And it also builds trust, and it builds intimacy. I, I can trust him. I can trust my spouse. I can, you know, you say your children. I, I remember when my kids were little, and I will share with you during this week things that happened that about answer prayers, how God just answered our prayers through our little one. So I used to tell them, please pray for me. So it's encouraging to know that your family, you're not alone, that God intentionally is with you, and you, you can go through the day knowing that your family and God is going to be by your side. So prayer is where you can fight together for your marriage Amen. and not fight separately. So Amen. this is wonderful. So take time to pray and pray as uh, and as you pray believe that God hears you. Now sometimes it's going to be hard. We were just listening uh, if if you had a Sabbath school lesson, we, you know that it's going to be hard waiting, but we just have to be patient. So as a couple, we need to pray, and as a family, it says to pray together before you go to sleep. Can I say something about that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's very interesting. I, I often work with couples, and I've learned to, this, this is amazing how this works. Um, I ask the couples, when I'm working with them, I say, look, uh, from the start, I said, let's do something very simple. Before you go to bed, pray together. That's all I'm asking for. Most of, most of them don't do it. So, okay, okay, we're going to do it. And those that don't get around to do it, our progress is very hard. We just have a hard time moving. And those that start doing it, it's like immediately things change. Just by that very simple, simple act. And I know life is complicated. We, we, she's a night owl, I'm an early bird. I, I go to bed about between 9 and 10. She goes to bed. I don't even know when. <laughs> <laughs> so what we do, when, when I'm going to go to bed, I say, honey, I'm going to bed. We get whatever we are. We, we, usually, we usually try to have a, a, worship. our worship together before. But if we don't have time for worship because I'm tired, sometimes I'm like, you know, I start reading, and then before I know it, I just... He actually falls asleep, asleep in the middle of the paragraph. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, Eli, Eli. <laughs> or I start reading the same paragraph three times. You know? She's like, all right, let's just pray and go to bed. <laughs> but we do it. And boy, it changes everything. Sorry, the, go the goal is to try to pray before going to sleep, but don't go like, like sometimes we, we can not do it on time, and we cannot even keep our eyes open. So try to do it, and not just a routine, like, you know, the same thing over and Make over. Make it meaningful. Make it meaningful. You know, have time and talk about the praise, how God was with you during the day. Sometimes, I mean, little things. I say, my computer, the program messed up, and oh boy, this happens a lot. And I, I tell Eli, I, I turned off the computer and I prayed. I turned the computer on, and the program came up where it was supposed to be. Isn't that a miracle? <laughs> Any of you knew about computers? <laughs> now this, uh, this will happen when it was DOS. <laughs> Okay, you guys don't know what I just said. <laughs> she will turn it off, turn it back on, and it will come up exactly where she was working. I know the program. That was God. If that isn't a miracle. I'm so I, I came home and I'm like, let's pray. You know, let's thank God. So little things and big things that happen throughout the day. 
So I have enough to enough time so you don't when you put the kids to bed if you have little ones enough time so that you can share and it could be meaningful. It's not just the same routine over and over again. And then yeah, worship. And by, and by the way, also it's important. Uh, don't don't pray for for a half hour. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's a short prayer. You talk, reflect up a little bit about what happened during the day, but you know, don't make it a sermon. Offer an appeal. And a call for repentance. No, just, just a prayer. Yes. And then worship together. And you might not be able to do it every single day. But, you know, I find that sometimes um, worshiping together on, 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 Sabbath, um, on Sabbath afternoon or on Friday for Vespers or something like that. And a Bible study, something that maybe a topic that you enjoy or something, a story in the Bible that you can dig into and you can learn as a, as a family. As a, we used to have books that we would do it with their kids mm -hmm. on Sabbath afternoon. And oh man, it, it, was, it would leave us at, at hanging. And we had to wait all week. And then they're like, okay, we just read the book. Nope, next week. So it, it's fun and it's, it, it makes it interesting. And devotionals, of course. And <clears throat> Excuse me. And also, you know, we say, well, we don't know a lot, and uh, our journey is different, this other couple. But every day we learn something new, and there's somebody else that might need that information. So as we can just get together with other families or other couples and share and, and encourage each other and pray for each other. So that is something that we can do to bring that spirituality into our home, into our marriage, to make it practical, to make it real. It's a relationship, you know. Amen. Oh, Thank you. And I wanted to bring to you your attention that we got this little box here, and we're going to put it in the back, because every day from coming forward, we're going to have like five minutes of prayer before we, or a few minutes of prayer before we start the seminar. So that we're going to be praying for special needs, and we're going to be asking God and, and for, for whatever you're going through, and we want to have the prayer box on the back, and you can just put the prayer request here, and everyone that can come, and we will be praying for the prayer request in here, because we want God to work in our families, and we want this to be real, and we want to leave this place knowing, yes, this is real, and God is with us, and we can go, and no matter what stage we're in, it's going to be a blessing. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So you're going to put that in the back? Yes. Okay. Awesome. All right. So the, here's the nugget that I want you to think about. Again, I'm not going to give you a lot of time to, to talk about it with each other, but I want you to think up, take this home, and, and then do something with it, okay? So you heard all this about spirituality, the importance of, of a relationship with God and the, and the family. What are you going to do about it? All right. So I have a, the first question is, what is the current level of intentional intentionality within your marriage when it comes to spirituality? Are you doing something already? And if the answer is yes, then the question is, so how can you take it to the next level? If you're not doing anything, then start doing something so your marriage can start being, experiencing that great joy. Uh, reflect on how important it is to give God a prominent place in your marriage. And then think of ways how you can take your marriage relationship with God to the next level. I hope you do that. Again, I don't want you just to sit there, listen, and then go. I want you to start thinking about ways how you can be more intentional in your relationship. And it can be as simple as that little thing that I share. Pray with each other before you go to sleep at night. Or before you go to work in the morning. Before you part ways. Sometime in the day, make a, make a, make a plan that you every day are going to be finding ways to pray 
for each other. All right? All right, let's go to the next one. So the next section is the one that I, I didn't present in Nusoka. And coincidentally, for those that love to follow the notes, it's not in your notes. So <laughs> you will enjoy the notes that are there that I'm not going to talk about. But it's about understanding our differences, which is, is so important because we are so different, right? And if you don't think we are, we're different, look at this. So I, I want you to notice this particular one I'm saying. So, you know, a, guy, a, a woman looks herself in the mirror. This is most women. And it doesn't matter how beautiful and thin and everything else. All she sees is what? You know, and that's why your wife will say very often, do I look fat on this? <laughs> and by the way, we'll talk about it, how to answer that later. <laughs> And then we are the opposite. <laughs> Ladies, if you didn't know that, we are the opposite. We look at ourselves in the mirror. We're like, we focus on all those good qualities. Look at my chin. Whoa. Look at my muscles. And we don't see all the other muscles that we have developed. <laughs> it's like, you have a six-pack? I do have a six-pack. I got it wrapped up in this cooler. <laughs> it's very different. And understanding this is important. Before we go any further, why is it important to understand our differences? Number one, it helps you understand your wife or your husband or your children. I remember my son was very little when one day we were doing something and he done on me. I was, I was very frustrated because he would kind of, we, we didn't move in the same rhythm, the same energy. And, and I was sitting there looking at him and saying, oh my goodness, he is 100%, well, not 100%, but totally different from me, 100, 180 degrees, because I was, and I have always been very sanguine, if you know about those temperaments. My son was very phlegmatic, very low-key, very slow, you know. Come on, let's hurry up. Well, okay, Dad, let's see. Um, and I was already out the door. <laughs> and, and the day I saw that, I'm like, oh, wow. It's the day I understood for the first time uh, the love languages and I saw the differences between my wife and I we were very different too we were frustrated because we were not understanding each other it was because we're, we're not speaking the same language and so that's why understanding these things are important the most important emotions uh, the most important emotional needs uh, a craving that when satisfied makes us feel happy and fulfilled and when unsatisfied makes us feel unhappy and frustrated and I say that going back to the love languages uh, and because of my own personal experience, you can be telling your wife you love her all day long or she can be telling her husband all day long and we don't get it. We don't get it. And it was the case with us. I'm very touchy. That's my, my main one. My wife, uh, words of affirmation. She was telling me all day long, honey, I love you, honey, I love you, honey, I love you. And I was feeling like she didn't care for me. And what was I doing? I was giving her rubs and, you know, doing different things. And she was like, oh, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> and the day we figured that out, we we're like, oh. And then she started touching me. And I started saying, I love you. Why? Because I realized even though it meant nothing for me, it meant something for her. Isn't that something? So that's why it's important to learn these things. Now, uh, uh, today we're going to talk about the importance of understanding these differences. Uh, we're not going to talk about necessarily the five languages or that. We're going to talk about something else. But I want to bring you first to a passage in Scripture that has made many people actually 
upset with the Bible. I remember one lady came to my church, visited her first time, walked through the door, looks me in the eye and says, Pastor, I have a question for you. If you answer correctly, I'll come back. If not, you'll never see me again. I said, really? Wow, what is it? And it was this text. Verse 22 right there. Now, as you can imagine, especially you ladies here, you might, you might imagine where she was coming from. She had come from an abusive relationship. A man that used this text on her and said, ha, you have to submit to me. Well, she presented the question, I read the text. I said, oh, wow. I said, do you read the rest of the passage? And we had a great conversation. She didn't get baptized, but she kept coming. Praise the Lord. So that was, that was <laughs> progress. But notice this. So it says, Wives, submit to your, to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And a lot of guys stop there, and that's all they do, which basically becomes abuse. It's, you are supposed to listen to me, and you're supposed to do this, and you're supposed to do that, and that's it. We don't read any further. But if you read the rest of it, you realize that greater is our responsibility before the Lord and before our wives than even their wives. Why? Well, let's check it out. Listen to what the rest of the story. Husbands. Now, by the way, notice that it said, let me go back here for a second. It said, submit once, subject to Christ, and that's the illustration, so submission again, twice. How many times does it tell the man to love his wife? Notice. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife. Wow. It's like we don't get it, right? <laughs> love, love, love. What am I trying to say? Well, no, it's love. Come on, guys, get it. <laughs> for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes, cherishes, and just as the Lord does the church, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So let me share, stop here for a second. Do you realize that what uh, Paul is talking about here is some of the most basic needs of men and women. It really, it makes my skin crawl because it's just incredible how, how intentional was Paul when he wrote to, the, to these families and said, guys, understand, your woman needs to know that you love her. Don't be like the guy that comes to the, the wife and the pastor. I'm sorry. The wife and the husband come to the pastor. Maybe being married 30 years. She says, Pastor, he never says that he loves me. Oh, I can't stand it anymore. He looks at her really stern and says, Honey, I told you in the altar 30 years ago when we married that I love you. And if I ever changed my mind, I'll let you know I haven't changed my mind. That was it. He still loved her. He just wouldn't tell her. And you know, sometimes it's, 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 it's typical. I, I grew up with my father never said anything like that. I, I was 30-something when the first time my father said that he loved me. It was about, a, it was about a, two weeks before he died. Never heard it again. Why? Why do we do that? It's a pride. It's a, it's a chauvinism. It's a macho thing. No. He says, love, 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 love. We need to tell our wives that we loved her often. Because you know what? That's one of her greater needs. And I wish I had more time to spend on that one. About the submission. Yes, it tells the wives to submit. But did you know that even before he tells the wives to submit, it says, submit to one another? 
Why is it that we don't say we ever we don't ever see that verse? It's verse 21. Notice it's right there, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And then it ends. So that, that's for everybody. And then love is also for everybody. Verse 33, nevertheless, let you of you in particular. So love his own wife as himself. Let the wife see that he respects her husband. Basic <laughs> needs. And so the apostle was right on. Isn't that awesome? You go to the Bible. It's right there. I mean, you study about you learn about family. You learn about love. You learn about all those important things. So let's talk about us guys. I don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to be short and to the point. So what are his most important needs? All right. Any uh, young children here? Okay. All right. <laughs> There's one in a carriage, so I, I think he's safe or she's safe. <laughs> what is the number one thing? Oh, come on, ladies. You knew that one, right? Sexual fulfillment, it comes to the top in, in, in male's relationship. By the way, remember these are general, it's not every single case. There's some, some guys are a little different, but in general, that's one of their biggest needs. A sexual relationship that brings out enjoyable sexual response in both of you that is frequent enough for both of you. Some women may have to give an account to God for the way in which they belittle or ignore their husband's sexual needs. Many marriages will blossom overnight should the wife decide to embrace this part of her husband's physical and emotional makeup. It is important because that's how we guys, most of us, feel appreciated, feel loved, feel respected. Powerful, right? So guess what? There was a pastor in uh, California who was having a lot, not Seventh-day Adventist pastor, I was having a lot of problems, not him. There was a pastor in whose church there was a lot of adultery, uh, adultery and problems going in the marriages in his church. A lot. It was a large congregation. So a lot of marriages were breaking up. And he had no idea what to do. Was praying when suddenly light from above hit him. And one Sunday, it was a Sunday keeping church, one Sunday he stands in front of the church and says, Guys, I'm going to make a proclamation. I hope you obey me. I'm, I'm not a dictator, but in this one I want you to obey me. Please do this. For the next 30 days, I want every married, married couple to engage in sexual activity every single day for the next 30 days with each other, husband and wife. He had to be very clear about that one. <laughs> you know, he was having problems with that in the church, right? So with each other. And he says, please do it. And gave some instructions, gave some ideas, etc., etc. He said that that church was transformed in those 30 months. I mean, 30 days. It was a totally different church. People were happy when they came to church. You know how you have your worst fights when you go on, on your way to church? Does it happen to you? You know, you get up early, you're all happy, you've been singing heritage singer songs, and suddenly you get in the car, big fight. You get to church, pastor's at the door welcoming, and you're like, yeah, hey, pastor, yeah, we're so happy. Hey, happy Sabbath. You just had a huge fight, right? Why is that? Well, the enemy wants you to be that, but it's also because we're not doing what God wants us to do. So think about that. It's important that we understand each other. Overcome your sexual ignorance and communicate your sexual understanding with each other. Most of the time, the problem is that we're not talking about this. You know, we have this idea that it's taboo. And so we do it, but we don't talk about it. Why not? I mean, it's the most enjoyable thing that we do. Let's talk about it. Let's enjoy it. Let's celebrate it. Let's learn about this. By the way, when I say learn about this, there's a lot of good Christian books. Don't read anything else, okay? Don't go to Playboy. <laughs> Pastor gave me permission. He said I should be reading things. No, <laughs> I did not say that. 
go to good Christian writers. Uh, there's one called Love Starts in the Kitchen. Awesome book. Tremendous. There's a lot of great material out there. Find a reader because it will help you grow in your relationship with each other. Let's keep moving because, like I said, I don't have a lot of time. Recreational companionship. Uh, how many wives love to send their husbands to play the games, uh, have fun, and then, you know, when they come back, you might have something in the kitchen ready for them. But, hey, why not go with your husband? Or, guys, why not go to the opera or ballet or whatever it is that your wife likes to do? It's important that we as guys feel supported when it comes to our recreational activities. Developing interest in your favorite recreational activities, learning to be proficient in them, and joining in those activities is important for us guys. When the wife says, hey, I'm going to go with you today. Yeah, it makes us feel very special. Physical attractiveness. Keeping that physical fit with diet and exercise, wearing hair and clothing in a way that he finds attractive and tasteful. Don't let yourself go. All right? Did you hear me that? By the way, guys, we, do, we have to do that too. You know? Uh, sometimes we're like having bathed for a couple of days. I'm wearing the same clothes we have had for three days. And we're like, honey, uh, hello, hi. <laughs> do you think we could? Beer sticking out, you know, have leftovers of last night's pizza. It, it applies to everybody. But we, we guys are, wh why do you think this is important? Guy, uh, uh, women, ladies, why do you think this is important? Aren't we very visual when it comes to our things, men? So if you know that, then think about it. We need to be attractive to you. So think about how you can enhance, uh, do better in this uh, activity. You call that aging gracefully? <laughs> Not good, right? And then admiration, and this is one that we often miss out. Um, remember, we're talking about the guys, so we, uh, our ladies often missed out. And that is helping your husband know that you appreciate what she's doing. Even when he messes up, you know, just give him some words of encouragement. Because we love that appreciation. Respecting, valuing, resp uh, uh, appreciating you, readily being critical, and expressing admiration clearly and often makes a man feel more uh, loved by his partner. So that's very important. Uh, this one says, you could be a little help, more help, you could be a little more helpful around here. You know Earl? He says, what are you talking about? Who cleaned the toilet without being asked? That's right. And then you kept mentioning it for a day or for a week, every day for a week. Sometimes you have to toot your own horn or it never gets toot, he says. <laughs> uh, you know, encourage them. And then another one, creating a home environment for what offers a refuge from the stresses of life, managing the home and care of the children. And th this is very helpful. And this is one of the reasons why it's important that when your husband gets home, and by the way, a lot of, well, most couples worked, uh, both work today. Uh, so we have to be created on this. But when you get home, don't, don't bring up all the bad things that happened during the day, but try to be more supportive uh, of, of, of the uh, atmosphere that, that he comes into when he comes to the house. We're going to talk about the women in a second, so don't, don't be mad at me yet. All right, let me keep going. So let's talk about women. And now, guys, I need you to be intentionally paying attention, all right? Because this is about you guys. We usually don't pay attention about these things, but it's very important. Like I said, you know, we don't show the affection that our women need. Showing love through words, cards, gifts, hugs, kisses, 
Courtesies create an environment that clearly and repeatedly expresses love. Guys, we need to step up the game on this one. Remember, it doesn't matter that you've been faithful 40, 50, 60 years. It's the fact that she needs to be reminded every day that you love her, that she's special to you, that you care for, sorry, that you care for her as much as you did before. And so it's important that you keep it up. It's the idea that romance doesn't end. Okay? And I know there's some guys who are really well in this, but some guys don't. We totally forget. We don't buy roses. We don't buy candy. You know, we are late on Valentine's and all these other things that are so special, so meaningful. We need to be expressing that love so she feels appreciated, so she feels loved. And it doesn't matter that you've told her 20 times, you know, keep saying it because it's important. Uh, just as we need that affirmation when we do something good, uh, she needs that affirmation that to know that she's loved. And, and it's interesting. You can do the greatest thing for a woman, for your wife. And when you're done, she will look at you and say, do you still love me? And you're like, duh. <laughs> didn't I just did this for you? No, she didn't feel it because, you know, you were building something. You were doing the floors, whatever you were doing. You did it out of love, but she needs to hear it. Does that make sense? All right, guys. Ladies, you are answering. This is for the men. <laughs> Conversation. Oh, my goodness. We are so bad about this. And notice I said we, because I include myself. I'm terrible. This is, there are days when I just look at my wife and say, I'm sorry. Just why? So, I'm sorry. I've been, I haven't been talking to you. I just, I can, you know, I get so caught up in my things. I forget. And so I have to be, I have to be especially at, uh, intentional about this. Um, conversation is very important. Think about this, all right? You see kids working in a, a, I mean, playing on a, on a playground, right? You see the girls, and the girls are, let's say, they're playing tea, right? And they're like talking about each other, and oh, how do you like the flower? Oh, they're so beautiful, and they're just talking about all the little things, and you want more tea. The two boys are on the other side, they're playing with cars, and they're like, <laughs> hit you. That's how they talk, right? We don't communicate well, so we have to be more intentional. More intentional about how we talk to our wives. So, talking about the events of the day, feelings and plans. By the way, notice, notice this word right here. It says, talking about your feelings. Now, don't just give her a report. Well, when I got there at 8, my secretary brought the report. Then I went, took it to my boss. He didn't like it, so I had to do it all over again. And uh, then we had lunch and, um, you know, the rest of the day, same thing. Is that what she wants to hear? But you tell her, hey, and when he said no to my report, oh, man, I felt so bad. I was so mad. I wanted to just hit him over the face with it. Now you're sharing feelings, right? And now you're sharing what's in your heart. That's, that's what it's all about. All right. Uh, men, focus on the, uh, men focus most on their communication, on report talk, gathering information, while women focus on rapport talk, building so is the idea that, yes, by doing this, you are actually connecting in that intimacy that women need. By the way, remember, I, I'm glad I said this word because I have forgotten. All these things that I'm talking about for men and for women are part of the intimacy that we need to have as couples. Sometimes we think of intimacy and people think immediately sex. No, intimacy is not sex. Sex is the result of intimacy. <laughs> But intimacy is those things that you build to get closer to each other as a couple. That's very important for us to remember. So 
Yes, guys, make the extra effort. Try to do the best you can to share. All right. Now, talking about sharing, then it can get into a dangerous area. Because one thing that women want is honesty. But do you really want that? <laughs> well, right? It depends what he says, right? And be careful if he says it while she's holding a knife or a pen or even the broom. <laughs> you, know, you have to be careful. But this is where you ladies have to learn also to listen to us. So revealing positive or negative feelings, events of the past, daily events and schedules, plans for the future, not living without a false impression, answering questions truthfully. You know, it's, it's something, there are a lot of things that we do with good intentions, and we were forgetting to include our wives, and we're not being honest and open. Like, for instance, make plans without her. Anyone guilty of that? I do it all the time. And then my wife is like, but you didn't tell me. Oh, honey, I forgot. But I'm telling you right now. <laughs> um, but, but sharing those things. And now, here, ladies, and this is where you have to learn to appreciate. So he's making an effort. So here, this scenario. He gets home. He says, hey, yeah, you know, I, I got a new secretary. Now, remember, is your husband telling you he has a new secretary? Yeah, she's, yeah, she's really cute. She's young, too. What are you going to do with that? And that's where you have to understand that he's sharing his feelings with you. And here you see, here it is. If you attack him now, number one, he's not going to share more in the future. It's going to be, be more, more. Uh, and then you're not going to know what else is going on. So listen to him and help him process what's going on. And be honest, you know, don't make a big deal. But maybe you say, oh, oh, so she's cute. Huh? Yeah, yeah, she's, you know, she's cute. She's young. He um, says, okay. Uh, do you like her? Whoa, he was not expecting that. But you know what he's doing now? He's making him think about this new secretary <laughs> uh, and being cautious. So you help him process through that. That's very important because otherwise he's going to keep that to himself. And guess what? Get in trouble because he's not sharing those things because you don't let him. Uh, but guys, we need to be open and honest when we're sharing with them. Um, let her yes be yes or no, no, for whatever's more than this are from the evil, the devil one. And so let me keep going. Financial support, provision for the financial resources to the house, feed and clothe your family and a standard living acceptable to you, you both, but avoiding travel and working hours that are unacceptable to you. All right, so here, here's the thing. Today, both work, right? Men, women, they're both working. And so a lot of women may think, well, I don't need that financial support. But guys, remember this. It's not so much about the fact that you are providing for her is the fact that you are team working together, providing for the home. And that's where it makes a difference. Now, if, you are the, if the man is the one that is working at home, I'm sorry, working for the home and you're staying at home, then is having for the, for the woman is more significant in that sense because you are the provider. The man is the provider. But if you're both contributing, it's not a competition, but it's about the fact that she feels safe with what he's doing. He's doing his best to provide for the house. Okay? And then family commitment, scheduling time and energy for moral and educational development for your children. In other words, guys, you are part of the family. Don't let your wife do everything. You are part of the family. So let her know that you're part of it. When it's family worship, be there. When it's, when it's dinner time, be there. Make an effort to be there. So she feels that you have that commitment to the family. And 
Lloyd, this is your part, but it's 1031. We have to finish. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just going to show this here. It's a family commitment uh, formula for, for us that need a little bit extra help, how we can do this. And so the idea is that you make a commitment that every day, 30 minutes, you would focus on that, on, on having conversations, on being, uh, building that intimacy. One night each week, you will have a date. You know, don't raise your hand. I want you to get in trouble. But, you know, are you guys dating <laughs> or not dating? Uh, are you still doing that in your relationship? Uh, we've been married 60 years. We don't need that anymore. You need it. You need it whether you're being married a year or 60 years. It makes a huge difference. So make that commitment. One day each month, one week in each quarter. That makes a difference. And let's see. Uh, I'm not going to do this. Um, all right. So identify the, and rank the top five emotional needs for yourself. Share the results with each other. The needs rank one or two should be very special attention. I agree to meet your spouse's needs. So that's what this is talking about is here are the needs. Think about what is important for you. Okay. Now you ladies, you men, think about it. And then pick one or two and have a conversation with your spouse. And say, honey, uh, for me, boy, I really need that um, admiration. I don't feel that I'm being admired at home. And then... She says, well, for me, is this one. And then you have a conversation and do your best. So my friends, be intentional about your marriage. Take these notes home. Uh, try to think of ways that you can have a better relationship in your marriage. If it's already good, then take it to the next level. If you're struggling, then what can you do to improve it and make a difference? And above all things, make God your number one priority in your relationship. Uh, Lloyd is going to put this box in the back. So if you want to put prayer requests, you can write them and put them in there. And we are going to be praying for them. And, um, and then we'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to be talking about, uh, tomorrow is uh, home. Uh, be intentional about your home, your life uh, as a family. And we're going to be talking about some, some of those things. Um, before we go, let's have a word of prayer. Pastor, would you lead us in closing prayer? Thank you. I was so blessed today. <laughs> Let's pray together. Gracious Father, thank you uh, for our marriages. Thank you for being at the heart of our relationships. And thank you for wonderful, wonderful tools that we've learned today. Um, I feel a little bit challenged. So help us as we part to implement what we've learned today. In Christ's name, amen. 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 See you all tomorrow. God bless you.